T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This hour of the score is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS with a K. The K is the strikeout. The strikeouts for you, Darvish, have piled up. He became the fifth Cub in this decade to strike out 200 men in a season. Do you guys know who the other ones are? Adam Stadzinski, you can play along. My guest co-host, Layla Rahimi, you can play along. Five Cubs in this decade who have struck out 200 men in one season. Anybody? I'm going to say John Lester. Uh, no. I, just by I, just by numerical odds. Yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think you're right, actually. See, I, this is where I should have the answer. That's right. right? Let's just start. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, it's not Lester. Hang on one second. One, two... Three, four. Oh, no, I got it. Not, not John Lester. Four other Cubs who have struck out at least 200 men in this decade. I have no idea. Okay. I don't even have a guess. Um, one of them is now a San Francisco Giant and also was a member of the White Sox. Jeff Samarja. Samarja. Jeff Samarja struck out 200 men as a member of the White Sox. One of them is on MLB Network and was on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday. Ryan Dempster struck out 200 men in 2011, or is it 12? Or maybe it was 13. But in one of those first two years of the Theo uh, regime, so 12 or 13. So uh, Dempster, Samarja, Carlos Zambrano struck out 200. Big Z. And Jake Arrieta uh, a couple years ago, a few years ago, Jake Arrieta. Was that we in 15? We should have known, known. known Arrieta. Arrieta should have yeah. come out of one of your mouths yeah, that's, immediately. That's, yeah, I just thought bad. about Lester just because of numbers. You just know, because some, of, even if you're not a big strikeout guy, you sometimes just get there. Right, from volume. But no, it shows how difficult it is. It, it, it still is to, uh, to, to get enough, it, it, to throw enough to get to certain levels like that. Garrett Cole's going to strike out 300 this year. It's, well, that has more to do with baseball striking out and Astros data. Yes, uh, that's absolutely true. But uh, Lester, by the way, since he was signed by the Cubs, has made the most starts of anybody in baseball. Him and Julio Tehran are tied for having made the most starts. The contract, it's amazing the bankability of that guy to show up and make 30 starts. He's going to do it again this year, 30 starts. It'll be, I believe, the 13th year in a row that John Lester will have made 30 starts. And that's all I'm saying. That guy has been that guy for a ridiculous amount of time. And there are so many pitchers who owe him money because yeah. he's been the example to make them all sign deals. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, as we look, uh, as we look at uh, the the state of uh, the Cubs right now, and where did you guys go when you were talking about potential playoff rotation? Should they mm, pick up these three games and win this division, which is still entirely possible? And I've come from an uh, an oddly surprising state of baseball optimism uh, this particular morning. Yeah, let's talk three games. Let's not talk this one game mess. Okay. 
All right, good. So, t- so talk to me about about setting up your first three starters. Should you have a chance to do so, okay, who would they so- even be? And of course, the schedule is going to play out in a way that you'll be battling that you might just have to go with wherever the hell you happen to be. Hendricks is in, right? We know that without a doubt. Okay, to me, he's in, but it ought to be at home because he's so good here. P- correct. So you you have that element going in, and before his last start, this was a couple weeks ago. So you argue for Quintana. So then then you're talking about three pitchers, two of them with insane playoff experience in mm-hmm. Hamels and Lester. And that's what got the players, and I always defer to them when it comes to this, stumped. Because both DeJesus and Pizednik, after an hour's worth of discussion on uh-huh. this, and it was really funny trying to uh, see them like go through this mentally. Uh, they both said at the time that Lester's still your game or one. He's your game one guy. But I I don't think he can this be This month now. has been really confounding. I don't think he can be But they be just now. said the experience overrides everything else. And you would say that with Hamels, too. That's yeah. a World Series MVP. Correct. But Darvish, with what he's doing on the mound, yeah. deserves absolute consideration. This is an awesome conversation. This is a conversation you wanted to have you with dream this having, starting rotation. It may not matter, sadly. But, but here's, here's the other part of this. Though. Yeah, It's the times through the order penalty that everybody mm-hmm. loves and I hate. Because you could you could combo everybody if you're going to only do two times through the order, which frankly, let's face it, we've seen. Mm. And that's where I get that's where I get conflicted with all this. I didn't mean to interrupt you. There. No, you're this good. is the thought process we were going through. So continue. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. I, I think, um, you know, Darvish to me is your definite guy in a one gamer if you get the chance to do it and you have to do it. I don't think that that there's a spot for Hamels to get a start right now. And I wonder then which of these lefty starters will be the most useful and malleable out of a bullpen to be your third lefty or second lefty if you would dare go there Kyle Ryan has proved and gained your trust to me Brad Wick comes at it from a funky angle it is still new enough and tall enough but he's new enough that like people can't figure him out you need some funk in your bullpen yes you You just do Derek Holland doesn't have a place on my playoff roster now that I have found Brad Wick and then whichever starter does not get a start of the lefties will end up in the pen, should end up on the roster and in the pen. And the guy that makes the most sense for me somehow is Hamels. Even though he hasn't done it a lot. Playoffs. I just, I just trust him. Yeah. I, I just feel this insane, insane trust for him. Um, Quintana should get a start. I think Lester is my fourth starter. And I'm surprised to have said it, but it has been too inconsistent just the other day, Madden said something that scared me a little bit, that Lester was throwing 91-92 in the bullpen, and by the time Ooh. he got to the, got to the mound, he'd thrown 88. Ooh. So, I, I mean, that, that's funky in and of itself. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a start there for Lester. That yeah. reminds me of the stress that the Red Sox fans had last year watching Chris Sale lose all that velocity in September. Mm. Concerning. Yeah. Uh, by the way, John Lester, you're right. He did strike out 200 his first year. 207. Ah, I knew it had to be in there somewhere. So Thank big you. bang boom. So that means that uh, that Darvish was the sixth to do it. Still good, man. Which makes a lot more sense. And you deserve uh, a bell to be rung in your favor. <laughs> yeah. Some, That'll work. Some kind of happiness. That'll work, yeah. Um, what else, Layla Rahimi? We've got a few minutes left. What is What has got you going about Chicago baseball that you'd like to make sure we get a chance to mention? Uh, Well, I... 
I, I just love it. Is that bad? No. I am not a fan of any particular team. Stop asking me. Do you love the uniqueness of living in a two-team town? I do, but you have you have my coworkers for growing up as fans. I grew up a Texas Rangers fan. My yeah. I, that's a whole nother level of sadness that I don't want to talk to you guys about. So I'm happy that both are good, okay? I love your children equally. I just do. Yeah, no, I'm that's, not sorry. That's okay. That's good. And you don't have to be forced uh, to a poll. Uh, tell me about life as a sideline reporter. How, how long did you do that in San Diego? So I launched Fox Sports San Diego in 2012. I had come there from Austin. Okay. And it was uh, it was really interesting. That was when it was my first time being on the air like every day. So that was new. Just the grind of the baseball season from a reporting standpoint. Sure. Those are long days. Yeah, because I was like carrying a camera on my shoulder for most of my time until that point. Not mm. in anchoring and reporting, but just not the same. So uh, that was also before they moved the fences in at Petco. So two to one was my jam. Mm. That was not a lot of offense in the NL West with the Marine layer. And it was, yeah, I definitely got some errant Gatorade my way, but none was worse than in Houston. (laughs) And, you know, I was at, do you remember the series? I went to Houston uh, in like late September. I missed the last two weeks of the season to launch what was then CSN Houston. Okay. And what, what year is that? 2012. So I launched two networks in a year. That was no stress whatsoever. That's crazy. It was. To two networks in a year. And then you were in Houston for the prime of their suck. Oh, yeah. In fact, I was at the series that ended 2012 with the Astros and the Cubs. And it was the first meeting of two 100 lost teams in 50 years. I remember that series. And it was hilarious because... Luke Stuckmeyer, I was working for the Houston office and Luke was here in Chicago and he goes, and we're just the reporters to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. The Astros. That, th- that was that. I remember that moment. I remember like, because it's, it, it, we had, it had gotten to this point where it was, it was okay to do this. It was all right. Oh yeah. The majority of the fan base here in Chicago was like, okay, I get it. For those two teams, it has paid off. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I was at that series. Little did I know I'd be in Chicago a few years later. That's crazy. Yeah, and then I was with the Astros. I hosted pre and post with them because we had all the games. So it was a much bigger mm. um, broadcast load. So I did that. And then I also would sideline report once every month or so just to spell our sideline reporter, Gila Morales. Mm-hmm. And I definitely got some Gatorade. Definitely. Okay. It was cold and you can't concentrate and it does not feel good. So you might remember some of the particulars um, uh, on this, but the particular that I remember is that one game. I don't know whether it was that year or which a certain year of the Astros rebuild. The game got a rating of 0.0. I was probably reporting that game. But the pregame show got a rating of 0.1. The pregame show outrated the game broadcast. That's how irrelevant the games themselves were. But it's a little it's a little misconstrued because that network wasn't distributed fully. Uh, So only 40 percent of the network at the time was or 40 percent of the viewing area in Houston had the channel. hmm. So that's why the ratings were where they were. It doesn't help. But that was the case. And in Houston, the front page of the paper when the Astros won the World Series was still shared with Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL. Because that's how it is there. It was, they won the World Series and they didn't own but the But Deshaun Watson tore his ACL. Well, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I'm sorry. How many playoff games have the Texans won? Not enough to top the Astros winning the World Series. <laughs> hey, that was a big deal for my fantasy team, okay? The Deshaun Watson thing. So let's just moment of silence.
two years ago. Uh, Don't get is. me started on things about Deshaun Watson that should have been, okay? Oh, yeah. That's a different show. That's a different show. That's Bump and Run, which comes up at 12.30. In fact, at 12.30, I can tell everyone... We are uh, going to have uh, the Bears pregame show with Hub Arkish, Olin Kruitz, and Patrick, Manic- and Patrick Manley exclusively on 670thescore.com because the Cubs are playing here. Listen on the radio.com app or at 670thescore.com. It's the pregame show presented by the Sportsbook at Ameristar. Pregame show with Hub Arkish, Olin Kruitz, and Patrick Manley. Visit Ameristar's new Sportsbook in East Chicago today at 1230 until kickoff on 670thescore.com. Layla, this has been a blast. Yeah, this is fun. I'm glad we got to work together. I don't even recognize a studio. Yeah, it's a whole new thing. This is great. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice studio. Um, and it's, uh, it's uh, actually comfortable to work in. I, you know, I love the smell of new construction. In the morning. In the morning. It's so good. Uh, Thank you very much, Layla Rahimi. What a pleasure this has been. Find her on Twitter and watch her on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm Matt Spiegel. Chris Ronge will be joining us a little bit later. Keep it right here for Baseball Conversation on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome back in to the score sports radio 670 as we bask in the psychedelic swirl that is September in baseball. The season is just so long. It is relentless. It wears on you emotionally. It can wear on you physically more than anything. It wears on you psychologically and sets up endless opportunities to declare things about a team. And you can be wrong over and over and over and over again. I've got a chance to be wrong again today. We've had a chance to be wrong so many times. How many times did I tell you that I think the Cubs are the best team in the division? Way, way too many times, right? I still think they're the best team in the division, I said. I would say I still think. And then I finally got broken. That's the thing. I got broken, and I mentioned this, I know, during the week when I was on with Dan Bernstein. I think I mentioned it last year, uh, or last week as well, that there was that moment when you saw the lineup that was supposed to be in the first game in Milwaukee for that four-game stretch before they lost five of seven against the Brewers. The lineup, as posted by the Cubs on the Twitters on that Thursday, was Zobrist, Castellano, Bryant, Rizzo, uh, Baez, Schwarber, Contreras, Hayward, pitcher. That was it. It was like, oh my God, there it is. Look at that. There it is. There's... There's there's Zobrist back leading off. There's Contreras back. There's righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, whenever they want to do that. There's Baez, Contreras, and Schwarber all hitting beyond the cleanup spot. There's Hayward at eight, where he can just relax, theoretically, and do his thing. 
There it is. And then over the course of the next hour, uh, Craig Kimbrell went on the injured list and Javier Baez felt discomfort when he took batting practice and got an MRI that showed a hairline fracture and he hasn't hit the field since. So it never happened. But you know what has happened? Zobrist has kept going. He's got a bunch of, he's got several multi-hit games already, which is crazy. Um, so operation get Zobrist back up to speed by September 1st was a resounding success as weird as it may have seemed to you. Um, but moving him around every weekend in August and having him play at different levels and stuff, resounding success. Look at him. And then Nico Horner, that injection of fresh air. That is Nico Horner. And Anthony Rizzo said exactly that yesterday. He said it it is refreshing to see a young, hungry, excitable dude getting a chance to play and doing what he's doing. And his style fits so well, so well into what they have needed in terms of that lineup, in terms of the diversification of that lineup. Here's the question. Would Nico Horner be available to play in the playoffs if Javier Baez is not back? That answer is yes. As long as you're in the organization before September 1st, as long as you are within the organization, you can play. There have been September call-ups in the past who did make postseason rosters and were hugely impactful. As long as you're within the organization, you can do it. Now, the reason Ben Zobrist had to be activated before September 1st was because he was on the restricted list. So he had to be activated, which is what those those, uh, changes and and machinations were were all about. But yeah, Nico could play. In fact, Ron Coomer the other day during a ball game said, you know, I know they uh, want Nico Horner to play in the Arizona Fall League. I think this is better. This is better for him. And I... You know, that Arizona Fall League keeps going up until October. What do you say he, uh, he doesn't play in that, just plays playoff games instead? Sure. Might as well. So, yeah, uh, I, I, the answer is yes, that Horner could play in the playoffs. And then there are other questions about Horner, like, how about next year? As Ed Farmer once said about Dan Johnson, he's on the team for next year. I, I would think that Nico Horner is going to break camp with the club next year. We'll see how next spring goes, but this spring went very well, and I know it's very few minor league at-bats, and this is a sudden push up there. And there is this thought process that the league is going to catch up to him and figure some stuff out, and he'll have to be sent down. And that has happened to other guys on this roster. But, I, I, I mean, I would think that, uh, that Nico Horner is showing that he deserves every chance to make the ball club next year. And I, I think he'll be given that chance. We had a text earlier that said that they hoped that the Cubs would not make the playoffs um, because it would force Theo Epstein to do something of consequence. Uh, hashtag reckoning. And... I think they are going to do something of consequence. By the way, they've already done something of consequence. This, this maneuvering in the front office and moving Jason McLeod laterally to a position that is similar to what Randy Bush is in um, and is still underneath Jed Hoyer and still underneath Theo Epstein, but now given run as a major league worker 
guy who's going to be around the major league team and think about major league roster construction, that guy. That means he's away from scouting and development. And he did a lot of good work there through the years, got a lot of really good players and helped develop a lot of really good players. But it has not gone very well in the last eight years or so in terms of pitching within the Cubs system, and that is just undeniable. They have not produced anybody of consequence from their own system. Not one. How do you, how do you find not one? When you reach down for bullpen help, your options are guys that you have found from other places. You know, or, or, or holdovers who've been here forever. Now, some of those guys they found from other places have been uh, transformed by the Cubs' developmental staff. And there are success stories. Here's a texture. Who cares about baseball right now? Please talk Bears. Sir, the show is Hit and Run. Welcome to Hit and Run, the baseball show. Sunday mornings. I probably, I, you know what? I'm not going to read those anymore. That was the last one. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody uh, enjoyed the the redirection of what the actual show is called and what the programming is. And just know the Bears play at 315. And our Bears pregame show, I should tell you very kindly, Texture, and I do say this kindly, will be airing on the on the stream at 1230. At 1230, tune in to 670thescore.com, or you can listen on the radio.com app for the pregame show with Hub, Olin, and Patrick Manley. Thomas Jones on this pregame show as well. Oh, we're really? Have him as a guest, yeah. Really? Yeah, that's outstanding. I know some guys that were able to hook that up. You do? Yeah, they work on the pregame show. Oh, they, they used do. to play for the Bears. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. Olin, Olin's the man. Olin is a budding NFL superstar in terms of media. Olin's really good, and people like him, and um, I know he likes doing it, and he's very, very comfortable to listen to. And his schedule this particular year in terms of Bears coverage is insane. He's the Danny Parkins of, uh, of, of Bears coverage in this town. I just saw Parkins here. Do you realize what Parkins does on a Sunday? Do you realize? He's, he was too – he asked me. I asked him if he would hang around and do a segment with me here on Hit and Run. He said he couldn't. Oh, no. Very busy. Jackass. What a loser. He hosted You Better You Bet um, for Radio.com this morning from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. Tonight he's doing his national show from 9, what is it, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. after he watches football all day and then tomorrow back on the midday sh- or on the afternoon show. By the way, I'll be on that show with him on Wednesday. Uh, McNeil's taking the day off. I'll be in with Parkins on Wednesday. And I'm uh, very much looking forward to that, as I always do. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football. Coach Fitz and the Wildcats return to Ryan Field this Saturday when they host Michigan State in the Big Ten opener. Kickoff is set for 11 a.m. Season single-game tickets on sale now at nusports.com. Texts at 67011. Uh, my bad. I just got in the car. I didn't know it was hit and run. Long-time listener. No problem, sir. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make fun of you. This one. Um, uh, Spigs. Uh, yeah, yeah, see, no, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't see that. Speaks, please tell me that Kimbrell will not be back. That is a big moment disaster waiting to happen. They don't need him. What do you think? You mean this year? No, I think he will be back. Is he a big moment disaster waiting to happen? Oh God. It's entirely possible. He was last year towards the end. It's um, It's been awkward, and it's really too bad now because you're looking at two injuries uh, during his ramp-up, and now when he comes back, you'll be wondering 
if and when he can get it back up to the full tilt boogie of his crackling stuff. You know what it looks like when the stuff is really good. When that four seamer is at 96, 97 with a lot of carry on it, when that knuckle curve is vicious and biting. But the concern is that they will use him before they have a chance to let him get there. It's very weird. So I, I don't know. He's going to throw today. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Bruce Levine as we approach first pitch sometime in the next hour on the score. We will talk to Bruce Levine and uh, see if there's any news on that. Kimbrell is throwing, perhaps even right now, over at Wrigley Field, and they're going to see how he feels. And he could be activated for the Red Series, or he could, or they could wait and activate him for the Cardinals Series, which starts on Thursday. Let's go to the phone lines. Randy's in Kenosha, and Randy's on Hit and Run. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good, good morning to you. You know, I have fired, then rehired the Cubs about five times this year. Right now, I rehired them. <laughs> but considering they scored 30 runs in two games, I kind of expect a shutout for the next two or three games. Well, but didn't you expect that yesterday? They yes, scored. They, did. they scored yeah. 17 runs, and then everybody said, now they're not going to score any, and then they scored 14 more. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I hear you. I understand. But the hiring and the firing and the rehiring, that's the way a baseball season can work, isn't it, Randy? It is a roller coaster. And especially if you're invested in paying attention and your team is one of the 10 or 12 who are good enough, maybe if things go right. And they, those can start from different ends of the, of the situation. They can be surprises and then be in there and taunt you, or they can supposed to be great, but they come back to the pack and it can color how you feel about the whole damn thing, but you can't give up on them right now. Can you? No, you can't. You have to keep the tums close for those <laughs> days that are those weeks that are rough. But I have a question about Kyle Schwarm. I've had it for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, he is right now what he is. He's 220, 235. And oddly enough, I don't think he's been over 240 for four or five months. He gets to 240 and then he goes over six. Yeah. But the question is, he is he going to continue to mature as a hitter where next year you see 10 to 15 more walks? Because that will raise his batting average because those walks are not out and he'll be batting 250. And it will raise the on-base percentage as well, obviously. But I get what you're saying about the, the, the retro effect. I don't know. I, I don't know if more walks are going to come. I think, I think you're better off with Kyle looking for the ball that he can drive or expanding to look, at the ball, look for the ball that he can hit with some contact, with that contact swing. That's what they've been wanting is for him to be a better hitter. Um, he has the eye uh, and has the slug, and we all know that. But they wanted him to be a better hitter. So I don't think it's going to be about taking more walks if Kyle's working on anything in terms of thought processes. It's going to be about contact. This text, um, moving McLeod is not a consequential move. It's just more of management doing nothing but suggesting otherwise. Maybe I didn't finish the thought. Here's what they're doing by moving McLeod. Creating an opening and an opportunity to revamp the development department and to revamp some of the scouting department. And in fact, I'm sure that I have not, that I did not complete that point. I've done it at other times. I did it yesterday on, on Inside the Clubhouse, but let me do it now. It is an admission. Moving McLeod is an admission that there are things they need to do better. There are other organizations who have found ways to do things and have accelerated their processes to be better at development and better at scouting. 
and that the Cubs are going to go get some different voices, some new voices who think differently than McLeod and his people in terms of scouting and development. That is the admission that's gone on here. So it is not what it appears to be, which is some promotion to keep Jason from taking a Red Sox job. I think he is still open um, to talking to them, he said, talking to another team if they wanted him. And he has aspirations of being a big league general manager. If anything, this will help him become a big league general manager because it is straight-up experience on the big league level that is being mapped out for him. But the important part of the move, the consequential part of the move, is the admission of some failure in the scouting and development department and the further changes that are coming to this offseason. Mark my words, there will be new people, there will be new methodology, and it will be a big, big talking point during the offseason. It is Hit and Run. It is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on 670 The Score. Let's find out the feelings down in St. Louis, where they receive our sewage every day as we send it in the Chicago River having uh, engineered one of the engineering marvels of the last 200 years, redirecting the river so uh, we could uh, stop the pollution of our drinking water and send our sewage lovingly to St. Louis. We'll talk to Chris Ranji next on 670 The Score. Ranger, love your show, but please quit. Wait, was that was that the entirety of what that guy said? Got cut off. Please, he's, he's told Ronji to quit. Just, just quit. Nobody, nobody wants Chris Ronji to quit. Don't quit being the radio superstar that you are, Chris Ronji. Whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in St. Louis, don't just don't quit being the overall man and humanitarian that you are, Chris Ronji. Joins us right now from St. Louis, uh, right here on 670 The Score, where he has been a guest co-host for Hit and Run previously this season. This is not quite the same thing because he's on a phone and not on a chair next to me, but it's still nice to talk to you. What's up, man? I'd rather be in that chair because, man, that studio looks right. Right? Awesome photos. Yeah. Yeah. I know. They're, uh, they're ready. I mean, you got to do a lot to make Parkins look good. You know what I mean? So it's well, like... You know, yeah. that's that's probably true of a lot of people in the public eye. You gotta, yeah, you got you gotta doctor the photos, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, and the more, I mean, look what they're doing to try to make Bernstein look good. Connor's handsome, and yeah. uh, you know, and the 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 studio looks good. So you know, when you look over and you see death warmed over on one microphone, it's uh, it's livable at that point. Well. Buddy, I, I'll tell you right now. I'm just. Uh, I, I'm glad you've always looked good. You, you never. You've never needed any help. You got a full head of hair. Yeah, thank you. It's true. I've never. Well, you know what I love about this? It's like you can't see below the uh, below the waist on this. You can't even see that part of me. I've. Um, I'm the guy. Like sometimes when I do uh, certain shows, I'm like, Hey, do you mind if I bring a desk that I could just sit behind? Could uh, <laughs> Would you mind if I do that? <laughs> Is that a, is that a good move for a, for, yeah, a, for a TV career? I brought my own desk. <laughs> I, I love the idea of you showing up to a round table and everybody's in like those comfortable recliner types, and then you just got this right. this desk. Right, Why is Spiegel have a desk? Is he the host? Nope. He's just. He just, he just prefers a desk. It's really weird. He prefers a desk. He brings a desk everywhere he goes. 
<laughs> I love that idea. All right, well, good. Um, how about these seven games coming up between the Cardinals and the Cubs that could be incredibly consequential for one of the better rivalries in, uh, in, in all of baseball's history? This could be a lot of fun. I have been rooting for them to matter, I'm, uh, and it appears like, uh, like they're going to. Certainly the first four are probably going to. Even when the Cardinals built that little bit of a lead, I think it was four and a half, I believe, was the uh, the highest lead they've had so far. It's all, and that was just recently. I mean, it's it's always felt like that last weekend in St. Louis is going to matter. I've just I've never had the feeling that any team was going to pull away. That maybe maybe we're looking at, and and, and this is an extreme, I think, scenario. Uh, when it comes to this particular division and these teams, I think it'll be extreme if the division is decided by two games. Like I, I, re- I really do think that that last weekend is going to matter, and I think the first couple of games of the series are going to matter for sure. It's just I don't see either of these teams pulling away. The Cardinals have played over about a two-month period mm-hmm. just really good baseball and I and, and honestly I didn't think it was going to happen that way I, I, I really didn't I, I thought they would struggle I thought they'd be above 500 I thought they'd be good I just didn't think they would play the way they played with the roster they have it just everything has gone right for them in about a month and a half period and it's it's a, it's really astonishing. I just I did not expect it to go down the way it's gone down. Yeah. But they still have another three weeks to go, or about I guess two weeks now at this point, right? Fifteen um, days. Fifteen days, baby. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 coming up here, and I I just don't see them pulling away. Yeah, and I I didn't I don't see anybody. I mean, it's too late now. You know, if anybody, right. it's the Cardinals. But it makes sense. To, and to hear from you, um, in there there in St. Louis, and have been watching them every game. I I didn't expect Chris this to be the year that I felt the Cardinals devil magic was kicking in. And this is the way that a lot of Cubs fans have referred to it through the years that that feeling of like who the hell are these guys and why are they helping? Where did they come from? Did they build this guy in the factory they have in suburban St. Louis where they just invent players? That you know through the years you've seen this guy like where did he come from? But they've done that again. I, I think they're really good at drafting and turning fourth, fifth, sixth-round picks into viable MLB pieces, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I do believe it's that, but I also believe it's a lot of good fortune because if it, some of the players you're talking about are are guys like like Tommy Edmond right now is, is doing really well. And when yeah. he first started getting a bunch of playing time about a month ago, I was sort of against it because I felt like, not that I was against him playing, but the way they had him was he was at the very top of the order. And at that time, for about, I guess, maybe about two weeks, somewhere in that range, he, uh, you know, his, his OPS is uh, like average. You know, it wasn't like he was doing much and he really wasn't getting on base. His, his OBP was under 300 for a, for a couple of weeks' time, and they had just called him up not too long before that, and they insisted on batting him second, and I was like, why are you doing this? There's no reason to have him up there. His OBP is terrible, but he started to kind of play himself into a – I mean, he's he's been productive. They've lowered him in the order, but he's been really productive. The thing is, like, the guys you're talking about, the uh, who is this guy they've invented? Yeah, Jeremy, I, has, I, Jeremy Hazelbaker. I remember him yeah, but, showing up one time, you know? So if 
but if we're if you're looking at this realistically, if we're if we're talking about it being just really good drafting and developing, those players don't stick. You know, the Bo Hearts don't stick. Jeremy Hazelbaker don't doesn't he didn't stick. Right. You know, I mean you're you're talking about players that came in and for a short period of time they just played out of their minds for some reason. Yeah. But it's not like they become players who have long, great major league careers. Yeah, Tommy uh, Pham. I, Tommy Pham was another one. I was like, Where the hell did Tommy Pham come from? He's actually had a little bit of lasting. That's power. Diff- yeah, that guy's different. Yeah. And and I, I love him. He's he's doing great for Tampa. I at the time they traded him, I kind of understood it because they, you know, they, they didn't seem to be interested in giving him any sort of long-term contract, and he's got this eye issue, a degenerative eye problem that mm. it, it's it's only going to get worse. And so I think they were kind of concerned about that, but he's shown no effects of it in the last couple of years, and he's done great, and he's got a great personality. I I like it. Uh, I know a lot of people it rubs the wrong way, but. The way Tommy Pham is, he's kind of in your face, and he's very honest. He doesn't hold back anything. I I like him. Mm. Um, so, you know, for those who have not been following along, uh, Jack Flaherty, the high school teammate of Lucas Giolito and Max Freed, um, mm-hmm. who has uh, shown flashes, has put together an incredible consistent streak, and it is now 17 quality starts for the year, which is very nice. But, and here's the big one, since the 2nd of July, it's the first time last night that he had allowed more than two earned runs. 12 starts, and Flaherty had been holding opposing hitters to a 146 average, a 0.80 ERA. He's been outrageous. And I love this quote from Mike Moustakis from, from last night, that you feel like when you're up there, it feels like you're in a two-strike count every time you come up just because his stuff is so good, said Mike Mustak. Because every pitch he throws is a plus pitch. You're up there battling. Um, they battled, and the Brewers have now beaten him. Um, I, I know that two of his losses uh, is since July have been to the Brewers, So, they, but they only got him for three runs. But, boy, Flaherty's been great, and Dakota Hudson has been great. Yeah, well, the Jack Flaherty thing does not really surprise me. I don't know whose show I was on up there. It might have been yours earlier in the season, and his name came up, and I said, if, if there's anybody on this staff that has the potential to be really, really damn good, and it's not just about what he did last year, it's Jack Flaherty. Like, I, I really do think he's got uh, – he's possibly a Cy Young guy in the future. I mean, I mean, if you look at the way he's pitched over the second half, then – Clearly, that's those are Cy Young numbers, but there have been too many other good pitchers in the National League this year, so he won't win it, uh, despite the second half. But yeah, man, he is he is absolutely legitimate, and um, he is fun to watch. Uh, and he was struggling early in the season, and from what I understand, he had a friend of his that was watching one of his starts on TV, and contacted him and said, you got this mechanical thing going on. Like he <laughs> noticed it on TV and then he must've worked on it. I don't know specifically what that was, but that's the story going around that he had a buddy spot something watching a broadcast. It was a national TV game and, and told him what the deal was and he kind of corrected it. So he, yeah, he's looked really good. And I think he's going to have a, a really good, nice career. Um, and at some point, I think he'll be in a Cy Young conversation. And I know mm-hmm. people are putting him in that right now, but I just don't think he's going to win it. There are probably six or seven guys that are ahead of him, even if he doesn't, even if he does go ahead and finish strong. You know, yeah. if he doesn't blow up in the last two weeks, 
I think he'll get three starts, I believe. They've got their whole schedule worked out. I have to go back and look at it. But um, even if he maintains what he's doing, I just don't think yeah. he's going to win. But it's funny you say that about the quality start. He had a quality start last night, and that was his worst start in, like, <laughs> I, I mean, two months. It was, yeah. it, it's crazy what he's done. It's, and, yeah. honestly, Spiegel, I'm surprised the rest of the rotation is pitching the way it is. Adam Wainwright, that dude should not be doing what he's doing right now. He, I mean, he's got his ERA under four, just under four, or right at four, but whatever it is. He's done really well. I thought we were looking at high end for Adam Wainwright this year, a really good season. Yeah. I was thinking maybe a four-and-a-half ERA, but he's done he, he's done way better than expected. All right, two, uh, I have two quick things for you. One is that uh, last week I talked to the guy who was the high school coach at Harvard-Westlake for Flaherty and Giolito and Freed. He was on Hit and Run last week, which was fun. Yeah. And uh, he said that when Jack Flaherty showed up as a freshman on that team, he was immediately the best athlete of anybody on the team. As a freshman, he was doing things that blew away anybody else on that roster. So he played third base, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then here's the other thing I got to tell you. So the other night, Chris, I'm playing this gig um, with uh, Bernie Williams, the the great Yankee outfielder yeah. and guitar player. So we're playing this gig, and it's a private event over at the G Man. You don't remember the Ginger Man, the G Man yeah, over there? Of course, there. <clears throat> of course you do. Perfectly. And. Um, and then uh, they realize that there are some people out in the next room in, who, you know, kind of want to come in. And they say, oh, what the hell, it's private. But, yeah, sure, come on in. So some score fans come in. There's like maybe six, seven guys, late 20s, early 30s, two of them wearing matching Ron Coomer jerseys, okay? Uh. Um, and, and they're kind of drunk. They were at a game in the afternoon, and now they're here watching music, and they start talking to me. Spiegel, I love you, man. You're great on the radio, <laughs> man. I love you. Hey, dude, so listen. One of them has got me cornered during a song that I have off, and he's like, man, I, one time I was hanging out, and my friend's sister's, uh, or my roommate's sister dated Chris Ranji. And oh. and we were hanging out, and I got a chance to hang out with Chris Ranji for like two hours, and he was awesome, man. He was such a good guy, such a normal guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah Ranger's a, he's a great guy, man. He's a really great guy. And so that interaction ended, and the next guy started talking to me, and we're talking for a while, and he's like, Spiegel, man, I love you, man. And the score's such a great place. Hey, so one time, my sister or his sister's girlfriend friend was dating Chris Ranji, and we hung out. Like, he started telling me the exact same story. Yeah, Chris. Okay. And I think yeah. it was the same girlfriend. I think it was the same girl. I don't know. <laughs> I got a problem, Spiegel. Wait. But you didn't did you get a name? I mean, don't give it no, to me here now. No, I did not get a name no. because I mean, I'm playing a gig, but I said to the second guy, I said, Hey man, I just heard this story. I I, I can't do round two. I cannot hear it again right now. No. I, had to, I had to cut him off. But Spiegel here, here here's what I know. Yes. I am I am very popular with everyone's sister. <laughs> and the, that makes all the sense in the world, Chris. I don't know. Oh, Every man. score fan's sister's favorite, Chris Ranji. <laughs> Coming up next on Hit and Run. Hey, Are you she dated my sister too. <laughs> Are you a score fan? Do you have a sister? She probably likes Chris Ranji. <laughs> you're the best thank you chris oh buddy i love you all right back at you thank you sir he's the goods 
Chris Ranji from St. Louis. Um, it is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you. Hey, phone lines are open right now for about 15 minutes. I know football games are about to start, but also uh, the Cubs are on later on at 1245 right here. Bears pregame will be on at 1230 on the stream at 670thescore.com. For now, keep it here on Hit and Run on the Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.